0: Ready, Ma?
1: Good evening.
0: (laughs) Okay, Ma Hitchcock. (laughs) Good
2: evening. We're doing an evening podcast tonight. The
0: bush. What was it called with the bushes? After dark. After dark.
2: Well, let's go to Daytona, Florida. We are doing the 1990 Days of Thunder. Should have had some cars tuned up. And the audio. Yeah. A young hotshot from California who doesn't know much about cars but knows how to drive fast breaks into NASCAR. What could go wrong?
0: Did you write that? Myself. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I, I think you have just discovered your new bit, Ma. You you usually read Please. them, but I kind of like
3: you just coming up with them. Have I told you when I was in um, elementary school, you know, when you used to have to write book reports? Uh, yeah, well, you did. Um, when I did, I would end every single one, if you want to find out more, make sure you check out your local library. <laughs> That's <laughs> right, because <laughs> it was on Reading Rainbow. Oh, is that why I did that? That was right off of Reading uh, Rainbow. I was plagiarizing, too. Uh-huh. So you were um no what is it?
0: You're paying homage to LeVar Burton. Okay, That was yes. it. Yes. Yeah, because I remember there was also something else that that he would do that, that even to this day will sometimes get stuck in my head. Don't, Don't take, take my, my word for it. it. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Don't take my word for it.
2: Yeah. I loved reading Rainbow. Apparently I did too. And I loved a half hour where I didn't have to do anything but put it on.
3: Yes. To this day, I couldn't tell you what the show was about. I mean, I guess he read books and told you about him. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like. I remember watching it, but, like, I didn't. All I retained was the end. There were, there were usually, like,
2: three ki- three kids who had read books, and he had a book, but they all had to do with the same thing. And then he would take you, like, on a field trip to okay. like if if the if the books were all about colors or crayons then he'd take you on a field trip to the Crayola crayon company where you would see crayons being made and that kind of stuff.
3: Oh, I like gonna- I remember the song and I remember little kids with books and I remember the ending. Yeah. But I didn't retain a single episode.
0: I was so obsessed with the song that I don't remember anything about the rest of the show because I was like Butterfly in the sky. I can fly twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. <laughs> Reading, Reading Rainbow. Rainbow. And I'm not a lyrics person, so I think that I was just, like, stuck on on just that. Oh, it's about imagination.
2: So hmm. Exactly. And then each of the kids would do a mini-book report on a book about the same subject, and they would always go, if you want to know more, go to
3: your public library. That's where you – look at Uh, you. You were auditioning. You Yeah. Maybe Maybe I just wanted to be in the show.
0: Exactly. Well, Ma, you have your new catchphrase, what could go wrong? (laughs) I do indeed. Okay, well, we are
2: we started in NASCAR. Okay, disclaimer: uh, I know nothing about NASCAR, and and we have um, someone who formerly was into NASCAR a bit and may have deviated away, but knows a little bit. And then we have about me? the queen of NASCAR.
1: Oh yes,
2: yes, we I am
0: here. very, I am very like Christine is definitely the expert. I am in the, I dabbled when we were in Germany. I always watched george michael sports machine and so the the names of the people like richard petty dale earnhardt Waltrip, trip um their names that are familiar to me from watching george michael sports machine in the early 90s then in the early 2000s i kind of got into it i was in, like the army had a car i was into name and check he was the driver um, people that I worked with at the video store, they were into Tony Stewart and who is it? Harvick was that a guy? Harvick, yeah. Yeah, those were the two, like the two men that I worked with. They, those were the, their guys. And then I kind of, I was kind of into it. I dabbled. I watched a bit, and then I kind of like fell off. And that's
3: the extent of my knowledge. And I am by no means an expert, but I grew up in it, in NASCAR country. You did.
2: Mm hmm. And I, I still did. enjoy it. I had a comment about that. You grew up in North Carolina. I, yes, I did. You don't have a North Carolina accent at all.
3: Well, yeah, I don't know. My dad is from New Jersey, so maybe that's why. Maybe mm-hmm. it didn't out.
2: Yeah. I thought of that today. She doesn't have a, a North Carolina
0: accent at all. Cool. Oh. My, your husband is from Kentucky and he doesn't have a Kentucky accent. That's true. I, I think that it's kind of one of those things that maybe either you come from some, like in Teeny's case, like her dad came from Jersey, so he didn't have an accent. So you don't really, you know, she didn't pick it up. And your mom doesn't, is is your mom from North Carolina? Oh, Yeah. I don't know. I think she does a little bit. I don't remember being floored of like. But it's not like. Yeah. Some people. Yeah. It's not like if you lean into it. It's not like your
2: cousin in Kentucky.
3: I think also it depends on regionally where you grow up. Like Yes. And cast. Which I also have a note about that. And the inaccuracy in this movie
1: a little
2: okay. bit. Okay. Starting with the opening the, scene. But. We're going to get the nitty-gritty. So, um, I can go with my notes, and but I'm counting on you to interject. Okay. Okay? Because um, mine are pretty limited.
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are we up to the particulars? Oh,
2: yeah. Well, you just forgot to... It did my intro? So I forgot
0: to do yours. <laughs> so, oh wait, guys, I have an update to the. Did podcast. you find your sock? Did you find your sock? Reunite. <laughs> <laughs> Where was it? All right. So this morning, because it was pretty, pretty hard. <laughs> they were only.
3: Well, they are because they're they're drying. Okay. They were, I <laughs> no, don't know much. Here, it looks like plaster molds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is what Like don't
0: they don't <laughs> <laughs> want as much airflow in between, so it dries fast and you don't get mildew. This is uh this is a year in the making, people. So where did Fine. you find it? Okay, so there was only two explanations somebody was engaging somebody came in, back in. in a slow torture and was going to murder me and had stolen the, the sock while I was right. gone. Or in a moment of what I will call, um, let's see if I can take a shortcut. When I was doing the batch, putting the batch that contained the socks in the spinner because this in the, the beautiful, amazing godsend of a washing machine <laughs> that was gifted to me by Teeny and my brother for my birthday in August, um, there's a the washing machine and there's a the spinner. And the spinner cycle, which again is the MVP of the whole washing machine process, that is significantly smaller than the washing tub. So which all fits
2: in your bathtub. So we're not talking anything big.
0: Right. So when you're you wanna kinda keep it in mind when you're putting your loads into wash, just because all of that fits into the washing machine, that means that ah. you know, and then back where you get into the like what is the most efficient way to do these things kind of, you know, thing. Anyway. So I had a bit too large sock underwear situation going. I threw in the, the dish towels and the mm. two workout biker shorts in there. Oh my god! So because there's a, a thing that comes in that you know, that goes on top of it, yes. and, and I, I was, say don't load past this point. Yeah, and I was like, well, if it's at this point, why do I need this thing in there? And I like ran it, and as soon as I ran it, I was like, because Einstein. It's, it's physics. You need the centrifugal because it pushes down as everything goes wide. If you don't have that thing on top of it, it'll go up. So I always suspected that the sock was on top and ended up between the spin cycle oh. and the, fit in the, in the tub, like where the drain, the water goes in the drain. But last week when I looked, I, I you know, I had the flashlight. I'm looking. I didn't see it. But as the week progressed, and I literally was like, "There's only so many places that this sock could be, and it wasn't there." Today, when I got the washout to do the wash, I was like, "Let's! It has to be in here. There's the, this is the only place for it." And sure enough, I saw it, and it was in there. So then, how do I get it out? Because this is the part where the water's going in, so a lot of engineering has gone in to ensure that. You know, it's a water sealed property and and stuff. So I unscrewed the top of it because my thing was, well, I can probably just lift up the top and just stick my hand in there. That was a no-go. The top kind of moved a bit, but it didn't. So I thought it was going to be super easy once I discovered it. A whole bunch of things ran through my head like, oh, fuck it, we'll just leave it there. But you can't just leave a cotton sock where the drain goes, because it could plug up the drain, mm-hmm. then I can't use it anymore. Also, the mildew mold situation, that's a no-go. So, after about 30 minutes, and I was Googling, I couldn't figure anything out. I thought maybe if I unscrewed to, to go into the back, but I saw some videos, and that's not, because it's a, it's, a, it's a tub thing, you know, it's, not, it's inaccessible. So then I I was kind of fiddling around with it, and then I got the my one of my brightest ideas yet, which it could have gone horribly wrong, but it did not. Got the old trusty footstool out, lifted, pulled a teeny, lifted that bad boy up and upside down, put it on the stool upside down, and just let Sir Isaac Newton and gravity thing. Outstanding. Oh, man. And then I had to, like, re-screw everything back on, Now I was fingers crossed that the washing machine still works. and yes. it did. Ah. Oh. Lesson, Lesson learned. learned.
2: <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> and remind me not to use dish towels since you're washing them with your underwear.
0: But that's the point of washing. Unbelievable, Ma. Everything, it all comes out in the wash, as they
3: say. The I hope so, because that's all I can think of. That's the only solace I have when using a laundromat. Is
0: exactly. It all comes
3: out, my, all comes out, all out in comes the wash. And hopefully it does it come back onto my clothes when I put them in. Yeah. On. Yes.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it all comes out in the wash. Next week, if I have a rash, though, it's because I used way too much detergent in the first load, which was my, because uh, it was sheet week of my... You know, bed blanket. So if I didn't get all the detergent out of that, and I'm just itchy all over, ah, that's the reason why. Yeah. yeah, That the rinse bucket I have was very sudsy. Oh my <laughs> what is this? Unbelievable. <clears throat> but I just, I just replaced it. I was, was very efficient today. Okay, the particulars. Days of Thunder was released June twenty seventh, nineteen ninety. It's produced by Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. Those two are a quite prolific, uh, producing combination. They co produced together Flashdance, Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, Crimson Tide, and Bad Boys, just to name a few. Wow. Directed by Tony Scott, Nerd Alert, he was the younger brother of Sir Ridley Scott, who's huh. a famous director in his own right. Tony Scott also directed Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Man on Fire, The Taking of pell 123, and TV shows such as The Gathering Storm, Numbers, and The Good Wife. The Good Wife. Screenplay by Robert Towne. Man, Robert Town was a special consultant and did uncredited work on so many big-time movies. These are just a couple. He was a special consultant on Bonnie and Clyde and uncredited on The Godfather. He also wrote Chinatown, The Parallax View, Shampoo, The Firm, and Mission Impossible, just to name a few. Wow. So i might, I guess he just phoned this one in? <laughs> Uh, the story is by, and then you get to the story by, and you're like, mm, maybe he had to compromise, because the story is by Robert Town and Tom Cruise.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. The- Basically, the whole movie is Tom Cruise wanted to do this. Yeah. Yeah. He
2: wanted to be able to drive in those fast cars. Yeah.
3: Well, when I well, did- and also would not have been created without your boy, Mr. Paul Newman.
0: Yes, I exactly. knew. That. I did not. Yes, but I knew that there was something there because. So I kind of picked a Paul Newman movie, and well done, I thank you. The the
3: separation.
0: You did. You did. Yeah, yeah. The music is by Hans Zimmer. He also did Rain Man. Driving Miss Daisy, The Lion King, Gladiator, As Good As It Gets, Inception, Thelma and Louise, A League of Their Own, Crimson Tide, The Dark Knight, Hidden Figures, and literally so many more movies. This guy has done so many movies. The director of photography as Ward Russell. He also shot The Last Boy Scout, Unstoppable, and The X-Files. He was also the chief lighting tech on Top Gun edited by Billy Weber and Chris Lebenson. Billy Weber was an assistant editor on Taxi Driver. Also did 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, Midnight Run, and so many more. And for Chris, he did The Secret Life of Plants, Top Gun, Midnight Run, Crimson Tide, and also so many more. These guys have done a lot of stuff. The cast. Tom Cruise. Born Thomas Cruise Mapother, Mop- Mopother. the fourth. Oh, give or take the age, because you know one thing. But he was around twenty-eight when this movie came out. He plays Cole Trickle. This is the this is these are the movies leading up to this, and that kind of <clears throat> gives you a good indication as to why this movie I think ended up the way it did, because he had done. Risky Business, Legend, Top Gun, The Color of Money with Paul Newman, Newman, Cocktail, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, and then he did this. So Tom Cruise was pretty much like full on Tom Cruise at this point. And then the movie he followed up with this was
3: Far and Away. And then, I've never but, seen a single one of those movies.
0: You've never seen Risky Business? I don't think I have. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know, know. Like maybe. Oh, but see, this is see, this is around when you were born. Like you weren't alive for this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I was
3: three when this movie came out. Yeah. Oh wow, you're. I such was a little, like freshly turned three.
0: I was about, I was 10 when this movie came out, and I was aware of Tom, because I think my first rated R film was on home video, Top Gun. Probably. I, I think that it was rented, and it was a big deal, because it was planes, and I had to have the talk, like, you're going to hear some language in here, and I don't want to ever hear you repeat it.
3: Some dirty and- words. Yeah. yeah,
0: some Jersey words. Jersey words that your mother says,
2: but you shouldn't say them. <clears throat> yes.
3: We have Robert. Now I just have to say. hmm I looked at Adam, and I said, I've never seen a scene where Tom Cruise was just about to get in his race car and his white shirt and a baseball hat. And I said, that's about the best he's ever looked. Yeah, this is peak. This is his prime. prime. This is yeah. his prime. Like, I, and then, like, I hate him in a suit. I think he looks kind of like. Well, I he I like don't kid. like him. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, and he's short. He's tiny. Mm-hmm. But sorry, I digress. Go on. And
2: his and his his front two teeth are crooked enough so that one tooth is right in the middle of his mouth. But he has fixed that. You're not He has. He has a, and, you know, like, who am I to talk? But, um.
0: Okay, go on. We have Robert Duvall as Harry. Hoog?
2: Hoog? I don't know. He's Harry.
0: Yeah. He was about 59, give or take, when this was filmed. Um, we first saw him in his first. Feature film debut, I believe. Yes. As Boo Radley in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. Then we also saw him in The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. He's also been in Bullet, MASH, Apocalypse Now, Tender Mercies, Lonesome Dove. He's 90 years old currently. And yeah. he was also in Widows. And he's currently, he's still working. He's still got two, he's filming a movie and he's got another movie that's coming out. So there's no retirement for Mr. Duval,
2: Mm-mm. and he lives in Virginia in Horse
0: Country. Yes. Nicole Kidman as Claire Lewicky. She was give or take around 22 when this movie was filmed. Was she really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Nerd alert! Now we all know that like, Nicole Kidman's Australian. Oh yeah. She's also a United States citizen. She was born in Hawaii.
3: Did not know.
0: Yep. Her parents are Australian. They were at, must in Nice. Oh, I'm from Australia and
3: Hawaii. Yeah, right. Hard life.
0: They were there for, they were uh, educators. They, her dad's like a biochemist or something like that and was at the a university there. And so they were on student visas and that's when she was born. And so, yeah, she has, because I was like, United
3: States citizenship, and then I was like, Hawaii? And she actually got to have, this was back when they let her have an Australian accent. Yes. Y- yes. But she never gets to have that anymore. Yep. True. Those Aussies are good. At, and also, I'm just going to say this now, because I, don't, I didn't write it down. But she, they told her, like, she wanted to, like, study neuroscience for this role and they were like just don't even worry about it don't bother like right. <laughs> they were just basically like don't yeah you, don't need no,
0: you to be
3: working too hard you're here.
0: Uh, uh, yeah. did you see that this is a don simpson and jerry bruckheimer production yeah. <laughs> like you're you're in here for one reason only yeah. yeah um she was first inspired to become an actress after seeing margaret hamilton In The Wizard of Oz. Oh. How did you, my pretty? How odd that that was her inspiration. But think of her career, and it's like it kind of makes sense. I totally get that. Because she's had such a diverse career. She's been in Dead Calm, which I think we have to do because I don't remember seeing it. But the reason she's in this film is because Tom Cruise saw her in Dead Calm and was like, get me her. She was in Batman Forever, To Die For, The Peacemaker, Practical Magic, Moulin Rouge, The Others, The Hours, Aquaman, Big Little Lies, The Undoing, and she has the upcoming Nine Perfect Strangers. And so many more things that I didn't even mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. into her Are making Nine Perfect Strangers into a thing? Yep. Mm-hmm. I knew that you guys would know what that is. Like, uh, I haven't read it. I have the
3: book sitting over here. I keep needing to read it.
0: Yeah. I, have, I have read it. Nicole I don't remember
3: it. <laughs> oh, yeah. My mom started talking to me. I recommended a book to her the other day that, I don't know, I read it last year. And she was like, oh, my God, do you think this, this, and this at the end? And I was like, I have no idea. After I finish reading it for about a month, I retain, and then I'm done. That's See, but Chris, Christine can, can read a book in a day. Yeah. So
0: you, We got our old Reese Witherspoon over here. <laughs> um, and she's also a, I think she's a producer of this Nine Perfect Strangers as well Probably, so, yeah. yeah Carrie Elway's, you know as Russ Wheeler the Princess Bride have we done that? I don't think we
2: have we have not done
0: Princess
2: Bride um, Christine you have seen Princess Bride yes
0: that will just be when we need to feel good. We'll do oh that. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Glory, Hot Shots, and Liar, Liar. So many other things. Michael Roker as Rowdy Burns. He was in Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, Eight Men Out, and JFK. Randy Quaid as yes. Tim Dallin, who was also in Midnight Express, and Cousin Eddie in the National... Lampoon movies, and so many other movies. He's also the older brother of Dennis Quaid, and he's got some really interesting takes.
2: I didn't realize that Randy Quaid and Dennis Quaid were brothers.
0: Yes, he's the older brother.
2: I really, I should have put that together because Quaid is an unusual name. But no, I didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's just in a he he I didn't I don't think I put him down but he's kind of in a bad reheatable. But I guess if you're not if you do think that the election was a fraud, um, then you wouldn't think that his takes on everything is would be a bad reheatable yeah. you know, but it's just, just, just saving him for the future. The, the future's going to, he's, he's out there,
2: man. He is out there. He always played, he played the brother on um, Christmas Vacation.
0: Cousin Eddie. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. We have Fred Dalton Thompson. Who I know from OG Law and Order, but he was also in 1991's Cape Fear, and he was also a United States Senator from Tennessee. Whoop de do, uh, John C. Riley, one of my favorite actors. He was. Buck Brotherton. He was also in Boogie Night, Talladega Night, Chicago, Magnolia, and so many more films.
3: Yes. I had no idea that he was in there. I love that he was in this and in, in Talladega Nights.
0: Yes, me too. And making her film debut as Donna. My notes I put the clock keeper because me talk pretty one day. Donna the timekeeper. Margot Martindale. Martindale. Oh like Margot Martindale. So Margot Martindale has been in The Firm, Justified, The Americans, The Good Wife, Sneaky Pete. She's been in so many movies, um like Dead Man Walking and Practical Magic and so many more. She's totally like when you see her, you're like, Ah, I know that lady. And this is going to be enjoyable whenever she's in this in the scene. Yes, I thought she was going to be in in many more scenes and unfortunately not.
2: right she probably was and they ended up on the cutting room floor much like I want to pay homage to the mother of Dude from last week Matthew Broadway Robert Shaw. his yes. mother in the film was Jane Alexander.
0: Jane Alexander, I've oh, seen she, that, I bet she's been in Law and Order, that name sounds familiar. Oh, she's
2: probably been a judge in Law and Order, she uh, she is bona fide from, from back in the day, but yeah, I wanted to give her her, her props too, because if I see Jane Alexander in something, if I see Margot Martindale in something, I'm going to watch it. Okay, is that the end of the particulars?
0: Those are the particulars. Oh yes, Jane Alexander yes. always a doctor. She she has heavy kimono energy. Very heavy kimono she energy. She also
2: has a touch of Angelica Houston energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was in wasn't she
0: in Lonesome Dove? Or she was in something. Uh, she where was she, in something that we actually did—a movie that we've done. Because I remember looking her up as like a bit part, and I'm like, "Oh, this lady, yeah,
2: okay, okay." Well, we start at a NASCAR track in Daytona. All the president's men. And
0: no, we Alexander.
2: hear lots of car engines, and we see masses of people. And we hear, gentlemen, start your engines, and we see a green flag, and I wrote so so. many cars so fast. How is there not, I mean, so, Christine, as a
3: spectator, do you go to see the crashes? Because, I mean. Okay, so my first NASCAR race, I was probably about eight years old, and my dad took me, and it was in Charlotte. And he said that I was so bored. And I just kept being like, where's the crash? Where's the wrecks? I want them to crash. Because I'd clearly seen it on TV. And then he said that it was just like this big wreck. It was probably the Coca Cola 500. Big wreck. And then they would start, and then there would be another wreck. And then they would start, and then there would be another wreck. And it was just wreck after wreck after wreck. After I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. But you go, you know. You go for a lot of things. There's, mm-hmm. it's the best sport you could go see live, because where else can you bring your own beer mm-hmm. into the sporting event? You go to a basketball game or a football game. You're gonna pay minimum twelve dollars, average fifteen dollars for a beer. Mm-hmm. Could be flat. You don't have. You only have a couple of options. You're gonna spill it when you get to your seat, and you a have- then there's a limit, and then you have to wait in line. You have to miss whatever you're watching to go get another beer. You bring your own. There's more rules than there used to be, but you bring your own. You can't bring glass. Where else can you – well, okay, you can drink in the parking lot in a lot of places, but, I mean, they welcome your own drinks. Um, it depends on where you sit. You get a different experience based on, depending on where you sit. Um There are certain tracks that you can, like, if you sit up high, like, some tracks you can sit up high, and you can see, like, that way you can see your car go all around the the track. We knew somebody in Charlotte that had, um, because a lot of the tracks have condominiums built over top of them now, and so we knew somebody with a condo that overlooked the track. So we got to go watch a race one time from the condo, which was pretty cool, because then you're just inside. But it's a different experience because you don't get the smells, you don't get the sounds, but still fun. Private restroom. Yeah. Um, Private restroom, yeah. I mean, the restrooms can be pretty gross. But they've cleaned that up a lot. But, you know, you go and you go to see your driver. You don't go for the wrecks, but sometimes they make it, exciting, but they also care about their drivers, so you don't want your drivers to get hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they've done a lot of things over the year. Like, now, I don't really like... I don't know. Now, it's the way that they have reformatted their races is mainly just to make the fans more interested, because now, instead of, like, however many laps, there's three segments, so... You race oh. a third of the race, and then you, re- you stop, and then you restart and race another third. Oh, I didn't oh. realize that. Yeah. And a lot of that is for TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes you gotta sense. You've got like, well, to keep the fans
0: engaged. engaged. I would also think of betting as well, gambling. Mm-hmm.
3: But also, no other sporting event where it's like, you just you can take a little nap in the middle, You don't really miss anything. Especially in the daytime races. You've been drinking since nine AM. That sun is beating down you. Sun is beating down on you. Take a little snooze. You wake back up. Crack another cold one. You're good to go for the end. Yeah. I will have
2: you know I was at the Daytona five hundred speedway. It wasn't it wasn't NASCAR, it was motorcycle races that day.
3: We oh. went to the Daytona 500. What year was that? 2015 or 16. Oh. Wow. My dad and my brothers. Oh, excellent. We were
0: supposed to go to a race in Vegas in September 2020, but, oh,
3: you know. Me here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, now we go to Charlotte, North Carolina. Hold okay, up. and this is where I have my beef. That is clearly not Charlotte. That is not Charlotte. That's like when people are like, "Oh, you're from Virginia? Did you work? Grow up on a farm?" Like, it's not. That is, and that's clearly not Charlotte. I guarantee you, that's Canapolis or Concord. It's not Charlotte. So, because it's so rural. Yeah, they go to a farm. Yes, it's not Charlotte. no, I just want to say that they, they they did that as a scapegoat to make people see it, that it's in Charlotte, but it's not.
2: I read that they had to build a barn, and and after they did, it wasn't right for I think the director, and so then they used a different barn that was not. At, you're right, was not in Charlotte, and that's when they go to see uh, Harry. That's when we well, meet. Well, there's not any barns in Charlotte. Charlotte's a city.
3: Yes. It's like a major city. I have been to Charlotte as well. But that's like when people what people envision when you hear mm-hmm. when you say you're from North Carolina. Yes. yes. And <laughs> I bet you if they lived on Kannapolis, in Kannapolis, they probably would have an accent. Ah.
0: Yeah. Like people in, you know, the the part of Virginia mm-hmm. compared to Northern Virginia.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um We are at a farm. I want. Oh, and um, I think it is Dennis Quaid's brother, Randy. Randy, who is saying to Harry, Robert Duvall, I want you to build me a race car. And Harry is saying the season's already started. And somebody says Harry quit racing to avoid an investigation. On a crash, and then we see Margot Martindale.
0: Oh well, yeah, because they. <laughs> I just rewatched this because I, I, I. So I know who Richard Petty was around this time. That was like the first big time. Like he's the oh, king. He, yeah, exactly the king. Like I didn't know much about NASCAR, but I knew like, oh, that's Richard Petty. That STP car. Like that's his car. And so I thought it was interesting that the movie starts, it's in the Daytona 500, and then the king, Richard Petty, gets spun out, and he's out of the race. And then there's this voiceover where it's like, oh, there goes Richard Petty. He's out. He got spun out. And speaking of legendary crew chiefs who are no longer here, we just got to acknowledge Harry Hogel, who was the crew chief of, uh, I think it was Buddy... John C. Riley's dad, who died tragically at Daytona 500 last year, and then that's going over when we cut to Charlotte, North Carolina. I and the So it, it establishes, like, oh, that's the crew chief, and oh, it's just rubber town. You, you made Chinatown, buddy.
1: <laughs> what's, what's going
2: on here? Okay, well, well, um, um, not John C. Reilly, but, uh, Mr. Quaid,
0: Randy. his name, this is Tim,
2: no, not Tim,
0: but yeah, yeah. the owner. Yeah. yeah, his name is Tim.
2: Yeah. And so he's saying he has a driver from California and Duval goes, he's a Yankee. And, uh, Tim goes, not really. He's from California. If you're from California, you're not really anything. And we meet. Uh, wait, Robert Duvall um, need older dude's car. Need older dude's car. Uh, they need Rowdy's car for Rowdy, Tom Cruise.
0: Yeah, Rowdy was the guy that spun out the King Richard Petty.
2: He comes, uh, and then Tom Cruise comes in on a motorcycle with no helmet, and it's such a, it's such a.
0: Okay. It's a movie, it's Tom Cruise. I read you the list of movies that he had been in up to this. It is exactly what you would think. A guy who is at the pinnacle, less under 30, is the, he is the movie star. And this is the movie star entrance. That yeah. now that he's got enough clout to be like, no me no die,
3: it's gonna be this way. I'm gonna ride a motorcycle around this racetrack going the wrong way.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: Well,
2: he's a hot shot and ain't gonna let you race this car, Harry says. I know a damn race car driver when I see one. And so Tom Cruise says to him, let me drive. I won't make a fool out of you. So Tom Cruise's Character is Cole. He gets in the car, uh, dropping the hammer, and he comes in under Rowdy's time. Uh, so Rowdy and Cole are set up to be competitors at this point, and all Cole cares about is going to Indianapolis. So at this
3: which, point I, which is a big point. Okay, so yes, yeah. Cole is a he races. Indy cars which are different than stock cars and what
0: is that called the open wheel? Because he's like a yeah. open wheel racer. So it's like the in the Formula One cars where there's no yes. roof over the driver.
3: And at the time of this movie, NASCAR did not have a race in Indian at the Indianapolis Speedway, the brickyard. Mm. It's called the Brickyard. People go to the Indianapolis Speedway and kiss the brick or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the Indianapolis 500 with the Indy cars is, like, one of the biggest races in the the world, I think. Um, And a lot of the info that I will share today is from the book that Aaron got me for Christmas called One Hell of a Ride by Liz Clark. Highly recommend, even if you do not like NASCAR, I think. But um, a lot of NASCAR drivers were, like, I think it was... I don't know who said it, but a lot of the NASCAR drivers would be like, they'd say they race cars, and people would be like, oh, like, do you race at Indianapolis? And they'd always have to be like, no. And so at the time of this movie, there was no NASCAR race at the Brickyard. Now there is. There's a Brickyard for 100 and they oh, raced awesome cool. But a lot, and now, and some drivers, such as Tony Stewart, race both. Um... And so, yes, that's why it was a big deal for him to get to Indy. He wanted to race Indy. He raced those kind of cars. Um, but so he didn't race a stock car, and it's very different.
0: I have a question, Tini. Is there a bit of a, a cast, a racing cast system when it comes to auto racing? Because the Formula One, you know, you have your – who is that? There's the black guy who's super just awesome. Hamilton. Something Hamilton. And he's super good at the Formula One and has won, like, all these races. And I just remember that there's a bunch of, like, in Europe, Formula One is really big. And then I wondered if there was a bit of, just knowing the bare minimum that I know of how NASCAR came to be, if there's a bit of, a, um like, little brother kind of, like, some people look down on it, like, like, the way that Cole was, how he was like, oh, yeah. I'm just doing this so that people can see how good of a driver I am so
3: that I can go to Formula yeah. One. There is that, like, NASCAR, the beginnings of NASCAR, you uh, built your own cars. A lot of the, like, NASCAR drivers it's in your family, you grow up working on cars and you're a mechanic and you had this great money to... Race your cars. I'll talk about it later. But Dale Earnhardt's dad, like he would rather finish a race second than wreck his car to get into first, because mm-hmm. he knew he would need his car the next week. And like, um, where I think these Formula One cars, my impression is you need a lot of money to do it. They do it all around the world. Mm-hmm. But they're also in turn because of that has, um, uh, there's a little bit of a cast within NASCAR where or like stock car racing where. They were not welcoming people from other countries to, they were like, no, people don't want to see that. They want to see like Americans racing, people who like grew up here and did this. And there was like some hesitation when Juan Pablo Montoya started racing because of that. Mm-hmm.
0: But I think like they
3: take, cause they started taking so much pride and like, no, like we worked hard to get this. We like made our own money. Um, but yeah, I do think that, that would be my impression. I don't know that for a fact, but. Okay. Okay, yeah, you uh, wear silk suits and shit when you like you wear fancy clothes if you're an indie car, you know, you're you mm-hmm. money.
2: Right. I mean, you're having you're having the big champagne at the end of it and mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, well Tim is the owner and he wants he's trying to find sponsors because without sponsors you don't get money.
0: But this yeah. is highly unusual because the um, and unlike other sports, in NASCAR, your Super Bowl kicks off your season. So your biggest race of the year is the first race of the year, right? And,
3: I, yeah. mean, I mean, like, yeah the, one of, yeah, the Daytona 500 is a big deal. Yeah. You know when NASCAR true. starts. It's not like, oh, shit, I haven't been watching until playoffs. Like, the Daytona 500 is a big deal. It's the first race. And it's, like, one of the most coveted wins you could get. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So,
0: but this means that this guy is looking for sponsors and to put a car in and the season has already started. Yeah. That's weird. That kind of weird. Okay. It's like if you're, you know, the NBA has already kicked off and they're like, I'm trying to put a team together and it's (laughs) December. You're like, but the season's already started.
2: Okay, well, Harry is creating that car, and he's talking to the car, and he's telling the car about the fuel line, and he's going to cut the weight, and it has to be aerodynamic. The aerodynamics have to be right. And then we're, we we see the the painting of the car, and they're painting it green. When I bought my first car, my Dodge Colt, it was green. And later I found out green cars are bad luck. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wait, did I remember that car? I remember a green car. It was in Germany with us and then
0: uh, Was that the car that died when we were gonna go to that's the car that died going taking me to Chuck E. Cheese and I didn't get to go to Chuck E. Cheese.
2: Probably. It wasn't the one going to the aquarium, though. That's another no, that car was, that died.
0: that was the Black Lynx, Mercury Lynx. It was. No, I remember. I was a real, That's one of my first memories, Ma, is sitting in that back seat, very excited to go to Chuck E. Cheese, and the car did not work.
2: Yeah, it's okay, because there were... Um, Use syringes at the bottom of that ball, so you didn't want to go anyway. Okay, um, oh, then they talk about rubbing because Tom Cruise is in the car and people are bumping him, and he's saying to Harry, uh, they're, they're hitting me. And, and this is where Harry explains they're rubbing you, son. Rubbing is car racing.
3: Also, yeah, because also, I think Formula One, you don't do that. I wouldn't think so. I don't
0: think
2: you can. They're the girls. Yeah, they're kind of (laughs) wimps. And I would think that the fenders would just fly off of Formula One. I mean, it looks like. They don't have fenders.
0: It's If there's anything, if you picture a Formula One car, the only thing that would rub is tires. And I'm guessing, based on my physics uh, lesson that I had today, not good. Okay. Yeah, you'd die if you
3: rubbed like that.
2: Well now we're in Bristol, Tennessee, and Cole is not doing great. Then we go to Dover, Delaware, and he crashes into his pit crew.
3: He's just being a wild and crazy driver. Yes, he was. Doing whatever he wants. And there and there's like a big in NASCAR like you have a whole pit crew that talks to you and your headphones and like you have a spotter and they communicate with you and you have to have kind of a good relationship. Because, as the driver, you still have to listen to your crew to know, like, you know, they they can see the whole track. Your spotter can see the whole track. They know what's going on in front and behind you, beside you. Um, so he's just kind of like, F you guys, I'm going to do what I want. He's wild and crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, the hot love is good. Yeah.
2: Um, we later find out why, which is a little, uh, which, okay, well, now we're in Rockingham, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. At which point he jumps out of the car and goes after Harry. And Harry and Cole have a huge argument. He can drive. Oh, because Tom Cruise is not listening to Harry because he wants to drive his way. And Harry's getting mad because if he just listened to him, he would be winning.
3: Because he wants to go, he wants to go, go, go all the time and pedal to the metal. And Harry's trying to tell him, like, no, you got to conserve, you know, sometimes he'll be like, back it off, conserve your tires, conserve your gas, whatever. And he doesn't understand any of that.
2: Exactly. Um, if the guy in the car doesn't trust you, we're never going to win the race. That's, um, I don't remember who said that. Sounds like Harry. Then Harry and Cole have a confab. And this is where Cole actually shares with Harry. He doesn't know what Harry's talking about. I can't read. <laughs> I was dyslexic. <laughs> and he doesn't. And so um, Harry is telling him tires is what rins the race. And so they decide on a practice day. Uh, 50 laps could be Tom Cruise's way, and 50 laps could be Harry's way. And of course, Harry's way wins. Mm-hmm. And they have to come up with their own language for he can't. Uh, Harry can't use the regular NASCAR track language. He has to break it down to Tom Cruise and uh, what what he's really talking about.
3: And, and like, I think it should, like because most of the time these crew chiefs are. Working with drivers who grew up working, like, who have been working on cars since they were 10 years old, and that's how they got into NASCAR, is working on cars and working in the garages and doing go-karts. And now here's somebody who's just like, I can drive it, but I know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. I'm a savant. He's, like, a a genius, just
0: a, a maestro.
2: Well, that would be Tom Cruise's opinion of himself. So we're in Darlington, South Carolina. He's running 12th with 30 laps to go. Then he's in fifth. Then he's in second behind Rowdy, and and they are rubbing each other. That doesn't sound at all good. And Rowdy spins out. Then he comes back in, and Tom Cruise has to go into the pit. And the pit crew is working slow, and there's a caution flag. And Harry has always told him, turn four is the where most of the accidents happen. So don't ever go on the outside of turn four. But Harry's telling him this time, go on the outside, because I put special good tires on. These are special tires. So you can do it with these tires. Um, and Tom Cruise says, when it comes to the car, I trust you, Harry, and he wins. But he finds out that Harry had lied to him. They were just regular tires, but he knew he could do it.
1: Um
2: Then they have a sponsor. <laughs> 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 Promise we win in Daytona. I don't remember. Well,
0: it was Yellow was the sponsor. No, it was something flow, super flow, wasn't it?
3: I think so. They get the sponsor, and yeah, they're like, yeah, we got to win in Daytona.
2: Okay. Then we hear Cole's story about how his father was in jail for fraud, and he lost his racing car. And Harry tells Cole he believes in him as a driver, but he's a kamikaze driver. And... Then, uh, so they travel in this in this big uh, rig, like a sixteen wheel rig or something. Yeah, traveling,
3: and the truck is pulled over. Their their, uh, car attached to it.
2: Yeah, okay. And so they, it's um, the the it's the Jakes. I tell you, they they are busted for transportation of moonshine across state lines.
0: Because he, because uh, what's his face makes his own, makes his own hooch, <laughs> makes his own hooch, and so
2: um, it was all a setup with Harry and the boys. Because there's a
0: female. Well, uh, shady. here's my question: Was she a stripper pretending to be a cop, or was she the like the sole female cop? And they were like, hey. He's the race car driver. It could be. It could, was, be <laughs> could, like, be could have been that. Because the rest of be. them were real cops. Yeah. yeah. And, and like the way that she, you know, when, when she, uh, grabbed him and was like, and he's like, oh, because she found the package. And then he's like, oh, and, and then all the guys start laughing and then she's like, hey, they like put me up to it. And I was like, well, are you a cop and they put you up to this or are you a stripper and they like gave you the whole outfit because either way this is very troubling
2: it was it was not good. Okay, now they're back at Daytona and Cole wins five out of the last six races and Rowdy and Cole are back at it and they crash on turn four. There's smoke everywhere. there's a huge crash. That ends up Cole and Rowdy in the hospital and Nicole Kidman is their doctor. Oh God. And that is where I stop. Oh. All right. So now we are to our POC count. And um I don't I was looking at the hospital. I
3: think you there know, was one doctor or nurse. Really? But I didn't <laughs> see them, I just saw the cast and IMDP. Oh, yeah, because so. I was
0: like a zero, and, and I was like not even in the stands, no. not well, even in the that's accurate,
3: especially for 1990.
0: I wrote
2: NASCAR so white.
3: Yeah, I remember being young and being at a NASCAR race when I was I with my dad, and there was a group of I don't know a group of black like students that looked like probably. And they had these neon orange shirts that said diversity day on them. <laughs> oh. It was like an episode of The Office. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> really, you didn't need to advertise. Yeah. yeah. Which I-, I feel
3: like we, um, we, as if I work at NASCAR. NASCAR has made a lot of strides, I do think, in, as far as that goes. They now have- we got bubble wallets.
0: Yes, because while there wasn't a POC count, I did do the count of Battle Flag of Northern Virginia
3: Army. Yes, I mean, that That was in the first 30 seconds.
0: Yep. (laughs) At first, I had written down that it was the first flag I saw, but then I rewatched it, and no, it wasn't the first flag I saw. But I did think it was, because they really put it on there full frame. And so I have, give or take, um, I counted six or seven. Yeah, I counted strides. at least
3: five. Yeah, yeah. I will say NASCAR itself, I feel like, has made strides. I can't speak for all of the fans. Exactly. They're, yeah, they're trying, and that's
0: that's kind of the thing. I'll get into into my MVP, but yeah, of of, it's one thing to be like this is a this is a sport and this is what we love, and to be like. It's okay for everyone else to come in, look at, like, come on, and be welcoming (laughs) to it. Um, So then for my power of cast, I have um, how Cole was from, he, they were like, oh, he wasn't a Southerner, and he wasn't a Yankee, he was from California, and I do know, is that kind of a reference or something to do with Jeff Gordon? Because I do remember that Jeff Gordon... Oh, was, oh okay. I have a nerd alert about it. Jeff okay. Gordon was not the first. Okay, okay. And then, um, so that, because that was like a cast, I think, within a cast of yeah. the, the hierarchy. And then my final cast is, there's on Netflix, speaking of Paul Newman, and there's a documentary called Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs story, and... Mm-hmm. He is a race car driver, and he was most – I don't – I don't know. I, I remember watching it, but it was – he was doing open wheel, but then at some point I think he also did NASCAR as well. And so he was a black race car driver, and that's just kind of a very interesting documentary too. I mean, it says that there in the title that he's a controversial figure, and the name of his documentary is Uppity because <laughs> – for the sole reason of, like, yeah, I want to race cars. And, and I'm black. Yeah. And it's Not, well, and that's Well, yeah,
3: I mean, there's a whole cast system within that. Wendell Scott was a black NASCAR driver and, his, I mean, could never get the, the enough money on his team to have a good – he could have had, like, been in the ranks with all of those other names that we know, but he couldn't get the sponsors or the money to get the car exactly. that he needed. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: I had with cast um, the head of NASCAR, which was um, dude who was in Law and Order and
0: yeah Thompson,
2: Thompson Fred Thompson. Thompson, because he was telling the NASCAR people what could and couldn't happen. He was he was the ultimate head of
3: cast, which is also built for the France family. I think that's based on real. Like when I was reading the the book. He just would, like, be like, no, that can't happen, or yes, that can't. Like, he was the person that would, like, make, call all the shots that kind of.
0: Yeah, that's from what I've heard is that with other sports, it, it's, you know, you have a commissioner, but the commissioner has to kind of wrangle the owners of the different teams. But, like, with NASCAR, it was this one guy. It was like, this is my thing. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. If you want to be in here and doing this and a part of this,
3: this right. Boy, and yeah, there's too. team owners, but he still is like mm-hmm. the France family owned NASCAR. It's my ball. <laughs> We're playing with my ball. It's mine.
2: I did go I did go down the rabbit hole of Wendell Scott a touch. Poppy told me to look him up. Mm. And it said he was one of the first African American in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the first to win the Grand National Series.
0: Like do you have what year that was?
2: I I don't have what year that was, but he got his NASCAR license in 1953. Wow. And um, Richard Pryor was in a movie based on him, Greased Lightning.
1: Uh I almost picked that one. Uh
2: But I was reading about the France family and how um, Mr. France gave all the NASCAR drivers like $15 for gas money or something. But Wendell Scott didn't get any of that, and Wendell Scott said something to him, and he goes, I am not going to um, make NASCAR about race. And he dug in his pocket and gave him – he gave him actually $30 and said that um, racism wouldn't happen in NASCAR, but it kind of did.
0: Yeah, that's kind of interesting because that kind of puts you up against what you – I mean, from a business owner standpoint mm-hmm. of like what I believe, but then also what is your
3: customer base ready mm-hmm. to do? Right. And that's what I feel like a lot of it now is also people at NASCAR are working to try to get like, now they've got to change their whole, like they're trying to get their, it's not NASCAR itself that is keeping people away. These other fan, like, they're fanboys. Right, yeah. I mean, that's like,
0: if I'm going to be honest, that's the thing with, with me, is that it's like, well, I don't feel, I mean, I'll go to a race, I don't have any problem for it, but I do feel like, well, how do I explain this to people, like, this thing? Because it it is this, um, it's just this, it isn't, it's just this barrier of like the people of like, kind of this, you know, you there's like the image of the flag with some people like in Judas and the Black Messiah is like, oh, we just have that. That's part of our southern heritage. But then it's also well, like, well, to me, that says, like, I'm not welcome and stay away. Exactly. You know, exactly. like, that's my like I'm preserving my sort of uh, health and safety. And I've been trained to be like, I see that. I kind of ease on, I kind of do like the Homer Simpson and ease on back. It's like, all right, well, you don't want to, you don't want to fuck with me. I don't want to fuck with
3: right. you. That kind of I also think that also is, some of it is regional. If you go in a race in Talladega, yeah, you're going to see a lot of it, but is it going to be the same in, some, you know, I don't know. And then, and it's, it's just
0: nice to see like, cause Michael Jordan, he's got his, he's got his own team, right?
3: Yeah, and he grew up in North Carolina. He's like, yeah, I. Grew I mean, up in- during the Daytona 500, there was a interview, like a segment that kept playing because there was a rain delay, so they had to play it over and over again of Michael Jordan, Michael Strahan, and Bubba Wallace, because he he drives uh, for. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, the, I'll get to it later, but it okay. Yeah,
3: exactly. But also Wendell Scott from Virginia.
2: Yeah. Nice. Danville. Danville, that sounds familiar. Billy Pugh.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Well. Okay, we are two nerd alerts.
0: Okay, so to set the table, 1990 in the Bush lore of the history. So I was 10 years old when this movie came out, and we were in Germany when it came out, and I remember because Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise, like I, didn't, was- I hadn't seen a lot of Tom Cruise's, I saw like Top Gun and stuff. But I do remember this movie coming out because of seeing the stuff from the States of, like, Tom Cruise's new movie, it's NASCAR, it's Days of Thunder. Is this going to be what propels NASCAR to be America's sport? And there was just, like, all this crazy um, advertising and publicity around it. So in 1990, Douglas Wilder, which we mentioned last week because he we did Glory, he was elected, and he, so in 1990 January he was sworn in as the first elected African American governor to take office. And I think it's fitting that he took office in Richmond, Virginia. That's where he sworn in, which was the capital of the Confederacy. So, oh, ha- ha- ha. ah, yeah, like them apples. Um, the s- smoking was banned in all cross country flights in the United States. Wow, it's like 1990.
2: Nelson Mandela
0: was released from prison after 27 years. The Hubble Space Telescope, which is still in use, was launched aboard the Space Shuttle Discovery in 1990. Wow. Mm -hmm. The World Health Organization removed homosexuality from its list of diseases. It it 19- as a disease until nineteen until nineteen ninety. Oh, oh my god! god. Yeah. Wow. Harry- yeah, nineteen. 19- but actually, no. Like, think about it though. Nineteen ninety. That's when I don't. I mean, in night, I forget what month this was in nineteen ninety, but I don't think that. Or maybe it was around the same time where Magic Johnson was like, yeah, I'm HIV positive. But if you're, like, late 80s, early 90s, people weren't talking about – that was just, like, HIV and AIDS. That was just some – Well, that was just God, like, punishing gay people, you know? Like, like yeah. that's the time that it was. Yeah, will so- come back around
3: in a minute. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Harry Potter was born inside the mind of J.K. Rowling, and she finished the book in 1995, and it was published in 1997, and she's gone on to have other thoughts in that mind of hers. Um, Ma, w- East and West Germany officially reunited their economies. I have to do a corrections corner because you are correct. The Berlin Wall did fall in 1989, it was on November 9th, 1989, was when the Berlin Wall fell. And then in 1990, that's when they reunified. But in 1990, West Germany won the World Cup because, see, they qualified and they played as West Germany. Ah, At that okay. point, they had not become full United Die Mannschaft. They were just West Die Mannschaft. And...
2: Because otherwise we'd have to change the plaque in in all of your um little with the uh, Berlin Wall and the plaque at the bottom says Berlin 1989. <laughs> I don't want to have to change those plaques. I made,
0: I made a huge mistake. <laughs> no, I, che- I I triple checked it. Yeah, but yeah, you were correct I don't know, I was just, A lot of stuff happens I'm like b- mumbo jumbo, mumbo jumbo, mumbo jumbo So I probably just scrolled right past it That's okay um, The top Oh, and then also like 1990 Because, you know When we lived in Germany in the 90s 1990 We got one channel that was in English And that was the Armed Forces Network We didn't have cable, we didn't have satellite There was none of that stuff I do remember that my dad turned the channel to the fuzzy local channel, and that was the first time I ever saw soccer or a World Cup game. And my dad was like, you need to watch this. This is important. It isn't important in America, but the rest of the world is riveted by this, and you need to watch it. And that's the first time that I ever saw Germany, the national team, the Mannschaft play, and it would be Sixteen years later, or like years later, until I renewed my my allegiance to it. But I do remember fondly of being like, "Oh, this is important." Okay, got it. And then being super scared of like, "Is are we being bombed? What is happening?" When they won, because you know people are gonna party. That's a it's a big deal. He was right; it was a big deal. The top movies worldwide were number five: Total Recall. Number four, Dances with Wolves. Number three, Pretty Woman. Number two, movie that we did, Home Alone. And the number one grossing worldwide film, of 1990, was Ghost. Oh. oh that was interesting. The Best Picture nominees for the films that came out in 1990 were Goodfellas, Godfather Part Three, Ghost. Awakenings, and the winner of the Best Picture Oscar for films that were released in 1990, Dances with Wolves.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. So there
2: are my nerd alerts. We'll have to do that sometime, but it's way over Christine's limit, I believe. Dances with Uh, Wolves.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing, I want to see how it reheats.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it reheats. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Okay, Christine, you had nerd alerts. I did okay so I did nerd alert on the characters that this was based off of the characters the people that this is based off of because although it was fiction um it was largely based off of people so what uh, crap what was his name what was the the bad guy's name? Rowdy. Or rowdy. Or yeah, Rowdy. Um, so Rowdy, even though he's portrayed as the bad guy, I guess, but Rowdy was based, we believe, on Dale Earnhardt, Senior, mm. not Junior. With the three, um,
0: stars, right? He had Dale Earnhardt. Mm-hmm. It was that black three, and he was like the intimidator
3: or something. The intimidator. Yeah. My driver. Um. And Cole Trickle was based off of a driver named Tim Richmond. Um, so I'll do Tim Richmond first. I'll see if it's best for last. So Tim Richmond was like Cole Trickle. He came from racing Formula One cars. And he was, in 1981, he was the top finishing rookie from the Indy 500. Um, and he went to NASCAR from racing Indy cars and it was kind of like the same thing. Like he came, um, in his fancy clothes and he didn't know much about, um, like he didn't know much about cars, uh, but he knew how to drive them. Um. And they said that he came in his Armani suits and his silk shirts, wearing a Rolex. Um, and, but his rival ended up being Dale Earnhardt. And they said that he would rather race Dale Earnhardt than eat. Um, oh. And they said that he didn't know much about racing cars, but he had a sixth sense for driving them. And uh, Rick Hendrick, who was... One of the characters in this movie was based off of Rick Hendrick, one of the like chiefs or something like that. Um, and he said Tim was good for the sport. in my opinion, he helped change the sport for the better for the flamboyance, the excitement, and just the fact that you don't have to be from the south to come in and drive. You don't have to be a good old boy. you can be a good a young good looking fun loving Hollywood kind of guy and do well. Um, but he never run, he never won a race but he had a suit made for the occasion with a silk shirt that was the print of the checkered print, checkered flag. Um, but he was kind of like run off of NASCAR, like run out of NASCAR because in 1988, because of rumors of a drug problem and AIDS Um, and he ended up, he did end up having AIDS but like they didn't I mean at the time it was 1988 not that much was known about it um and it was like taboo
0: subject oh yeah that made like he automatically who knows what he but
3: automatically in
0: 1988
3: he was uh Mm -hmm. gay yeah you know um well was a good story of how people didn't want him to race they want him on the field anymore um and right before one of the races, Dale Earnhardt came up to him and pat him on the back, and he was like, you ready to do this? And they went and raced each other. Um, uh-huh. But
0: it's bonkers because they're in cars. Like it's I not, know. Well, yeah, I like know. Basketball when they're, like, people Hooray. are like, oh, Jake Johnson's going to sweat on me. It's like they're in their own enclosed cars. Exactly.
3: Well, and I don't think it was mo- – I think it was more so of, like, just, like, the – I don't know, they didn't want anything to do with him, like, and, um, so then also, I think it was 1988 as well, they, it was when NASCAR first did drug tests for the, for, like, before the races, and so there was a time when Tim Richmond stopped taking his AIDS medication so that it would be undetectable. Oh, wow. Um, but he did end up dying of AIDS, um, Oh, a few months after his last race, but he kind of, like, raced until the end. Wow. That's who... Yeah, he was kind of like the first Jeff Gordon. Like, this was who his... And, this, and Jeff Gordon in 1990 hadn't even raced yet. Like, Jeff Gordon wasn't... He, was he wasn't a okay. kid. Yeah. Wow. He was, like, a kid learning how to do things. Um,
0: but Jeff Gordon, probably being from California, knew who Tim Richmond was, right? And was like, oh, this oh, yeah, I from California. And look at him. He's racing. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's if you can see it you can be it kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Which brings me to Dale Earnhardt, and I grew up in a Dale Earnhardt household. That's the only time I've ever seen my dad cry. Well, three when his mom died, my cat died, and Dale Earnhardt died. Oh, oh man. yeah! Oh man! I know. I cry. Um, and he's kind of like the epitome of like nascar driver like he grew up his dad um he's from cannapolis which is why i believe that that opening scene was probably a shot in cannapolis or something mm-hmm. um which is outside of charlotte uh his dad worked in um, a textile mill and then was a mechanic had eight kids and then he drove race car, like, he worked on race cars and would drive them. But, like – and he won, like, one – no, I don't think he ever won a NASCAR race. He just, like, drove them to drive the cars. Um, and when he – so, like, Dale Earnhardt Sr. would work on the cars. And his dad was always, like, letting him work on the cars. But then he dropped out of high school to do racing. And he thought that he was just going to, like, automatically be, like, hot shit race car yeah. driver. And then he ended up working – um, at a gas station, like 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, he was working at a gas station. He was like, okay, I'm never gonna make it. Um, and then he was working at a cotton mill when he started, and then he was working on cars. Um, he finally finished top five in a NASCAR race. And then after his dad died, Ralph, um, all of his siblings started helping with his cars and like fixing them up. Um, so it's of really like a family affair. And then he just had like a talent for driving. Um, there was one, I don't know oh, my who said this. But somebody said he could, um, sorry, I have some quotes. Uh, Ned Jarrett, uh, he said, if anyone ever had God-given talent as a race car driver, he was it. He was one of those that had to build his own cars. He worked very hard at it. He put everything into it. That was his life. That's what he wanted to do. And if he won a race, he didn't go out and blow the money and have a big party. He put the money in back in the car and tried to build his career. Um, so he just, I think that's why these guys get got upset with these, you know, somebody coming from California who mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. hasn't had to work a day in his life at this. Um. And he got his name because when so when horsepower failed him, he resorted to intimidation. And he could, like, <laughs> just barely bump somebody and, like, get into their head and intimidate them to messing up. And then he could pass them. Um, so he was known as, like, a bully on the tracks. But his opponents also said that he could see the air, like, in tracks that, like, really, like, it's a lot of aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Um and he knew the race car was working so well that when he wrecked, he'd start barking over the radio while the car was still crashing to tell his pit crew what parts and pieces they needed to fix um so they wouldn't lose time scrambling for tools after he pulled in for repairs. Wow. During, wow. during practice sessions, he could make three to four laps in a race car and tell whether it was capable of winning or not. And on days when the car wasn't fast, he still rung more out of it than it deserved. So he was just mm-hmm. like a good racer um,
0: and then, like, uh, just like
3: kind of like with the movie, and in contrast to the cultural character, uh, Wrangler was his big sponsor, like his first big sponsor, and their uh, line or motto, or whatever, was one tough customer, and he was mm. really allergic at the time. Um, it's got that
0: U in seam instead of the V, gives you more room. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: he also was like a really good person, and. Uh, Rusty Wallace said he would take you out to dinner and then spin you out on Sunday and then take you on vacation with him the next week to make it up. Um, And this year was the 20th anniversary of his death. When he died, he died tragically at the Daytona 500 on the very last lap. Um, He was in third place, and in front of him was Michael Waltrip and his son Dale Earnhardt Jr., and Michael Waltrip was on his team, and he had never won. He was in this, like, 200-race-losing streak. He'd never won the Daytona 500. Obviously, his son had never won. So, people, everyone believes that he was, like, holding the rest of the cars back to let his son and his friend win. And then, like, he died in the wreck, and then, like, Michael Waltrip didn't know that he died. And-
0: <gasps> yeah, because it wasn't, like, a fire. I mean, people get in the wreck all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, he yeah. just ran into the wall. Yeah, it just looked like a very oh, pedestrian, wow. like, you don't remember when it happened much? Yeah, like, I do a remember very it. very pedestrian, like, oh, like, the, nothing. You would never think, you think of all these other races where the, the all those flaps are flying out and everything's mm-hmm. on fire and the guy comes out. But then it's like this, he just, like, pits the thing and it's like, yeah, he died. And you're just like, what?
3: Mm-hmm. And then... So, like, this is the 20th anniversary of that, so I guess, like, they were calling, you know, I'll, whatever you do for anniversaries and things like that. So my dad was telling me he was listening to something, and they said that uh, sometime there was a church. He, like, was driving around. Dale Hart was, not my dad. And there was a church. Like, there was a car wash at a church, and he was like, oh, what are you, like, raising money for? And they were like, oh, well, we need, like, a new um, – like, a – New parking lot, or something like that. And so the next day, like the church got a phone call from his publicist, and they were like, Oh, um, Dale Earnhardt is paying, is gonna buy you a new parking lot, but under one condition that nobody knows that he did it. Mm -hmm. So, like, he would do things like that. Um, but he had 60, 76 wins and seven championships. Um, and he's just one of the greatest ever if not the greatest ever, probably. Goat. I mean, Richard Petty is pretty good too, but um, but yeah. So that was the and Earnhardt Tim Richmond duo was largely who this movie was based off of.
2: Excellent.
3: Um,
2: and a lot of the a lot of the scenes in the movie were based on things that actually happened with race car drivers. Not not the same people, but. Like the wheelchair scene,
0: the stories.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was supposed to have actually happened. And mm-hmm. okay, we are two negative reheatables. Okay, I have Tom Cruise's unibrow.
3: <laughs> I didn't even know that. I didn't know either.
2: Oh wow! It was it was a heavy unibrow, and um, no helmet.
0: Um, the, oh, for like, when he was on the motorcycle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Assaulting women is funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Assaulting women is a bit,
2: and then it has a callback, ma. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, well, uh, yeah. Along with disrespecting a female doctor on all levels, like from the part where she actually wanted to investigate what a neurosurgeon would be, uh, definitely not twenty-two years old, and um, to them disrespecting her as you know, not listening to her, they want to listen, they want to hear her supervisor and all that. Um, men, I have men as a negative reheatable.
0: <laughs> that is that it? Those are your welcome. Reheatable? For your final <laughs> negative reheatable. And
2: those are my re- negative reheatables.
0: I'll say uh, a lack of diversity. It's not, <laughs> Just not a, a real big, everyone's welcome. The music to me, it seems real super dated, but it goes into that where it's it like It sounded like Top Gun. Yeah, but it and it it almost it's it's so it's so just of that time that then it folds in on itself of being like nostalgic, and then you're kind of like, well, I'm kind of happy that it is so much just this. You know what I mean? mm Hmm. 'Cause you're just like, oh man, this this is nineteen ninety. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You hear right. It, it's nineteen ninety. Um Cole Trickle's career trajectory. I, I know you said he was based on a real real guy, but he seems to have nobody knew who this guy was, but he was a great driver and then he's just able to get in on a in the NASCAR top tier pro circuit and end up Able to win his way into Daytona. I just, I just thought that came a little fast. <laughs> Maybe it's me. And then also, I was a little unclear about why Robert Duval's character was uh, this guy could build the fastest cars that the rule books would allow. So you know, he was able to do whatever it could interpreted the rules to get the cars super fast and he was great at building a car and yet he was just on a farm and they said they alluded to it was like oh because there wasn't going to be an investigation and then when randy quaid's character comes he's like well if you come in there's there's not going to be an investigation so i just again robert town you wrote chinatown What are, what's going on My next negative reheatable is I didn't notice Tom Cruise's unibrow because I couldn't stop staring at his helmet of hair. That was a terrible haircut or wig. I don't know. It had me questioning things. Jeez Louise. Okay, my next bad reheatable is John C. Riley's father, which is interesting because at this point, Like, when we're watching this now, you know, Dale Earnhardt has passed away, and we had Dale Earnhardt Jr. But at this time, when 1990s came out, I thought it was kind of a little bit eerie and kind of creepy how John C. Riley's father was the big-time race car driver, and he had died at Daytona 500 the year before. And then in the film, when Cole finds out, he's like, oh, Buddy was your father? Oh, how did he die? I thought that was, because I'm like, yo. Right, like, okay. wouldn't you know? Exactly. I'm not a huge race car driver, and I know about Dale Earnhardt and how that all went down. Yeah, how did you not know? Exactly. And, okay, when our, our main law and order man, old Senator Thompson, gives his little monologue about the Japanese inspection. Mm-hmm. I'm like when you when he explains what it is, I'm like, why does it have to be a Japanese inspection? That just seems like an inspection. And then also how he just was like the Japs, and that yeah. just rang uneasy. And also all it's it's sort of compounded. You have the Japanese inspection. It's like, well, why is it Japanese? That seems like just people being people. So there's that other niche, you throw on how he was like the Japs. I'm like, I don't think I don't like the way that you said that compound that also take into account the lack of diversity. In it, and as we've been doing the Gone with the Bushes, and how many Asian American depictions have we even seen in film? So it's just added on to that to create just an icky feeling about on my skin of just the otherness of Asian Americans yet again in society, American society, I should say. Um, the, oh, the stripper and how. Because at first I was like, oh, that's a bad reheatable. And then when it it comes back into with Nicole Kidman, I'm just like, oh, they just did that to be a bit. And then the reaction of all the men, how they're just thinking serious and stuff. It's like, ooh. And at least Tom Cruise, at least Cole feels like a complete dirtbag. Like he does not see the humor in it at all, but like, all his boys and everybody. That's what i like, So funny. And Nicole Kidman seems very like, because unfortunately, if she was a neurosurgeon, I feel like, he, yeah, that's, that's happened. This has happened the fifth time this week that this has happened to me. Um, it was just, uh, this negative reheatable. And then finally, my last and final negative reheatable. Nicole Kidman's character wore a white pantsuit to the Daytona Thank you. Yes. That's what I was saying. What? And I'm
2: sure it was polyester. So, because you saw her jump over that cement barricade at the end, I was going, well, I would have had to sit, sit on it, spin around, <laughs> and I would have snagged the hell out of it. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Oh, just.
2: Agreed.
3: Um, the Confederate flag. Yes. I wrote, that is not Charlotte.
0: They are <laughs> probably in <Kannapolis.
3: laughs> Um, How was his name already on the helmet? Like, when he got into the race car, they were like, oh, we're going to let him try out the race car. But his name was already on the helmet.
2: Oh, I didn't notice that.
3: Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, the medical exam, like, okay, so Nicole, uh, I mean, that was the whole thing, but she was going to examine him with, like, six people in the room? Yes. Yeah. And then I just wrote HIPAA, because, isn't that the medical thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, HIPAA because then, when they were, like, gonna uh, race in their wheelchairs or whatever, she was going over both of their brain scans in the same room. I agree.
2: That was but very
3: private like information. But I
0: feel like HIPAA might not have been. I'm gonna look it up. I feel like that. Oh, that's new. It might have been after, like later in the 90s at that that Oh, okay.
2: But still, I don't see a doctor going over two people's brain scans in the same room because. What if one was great and one was shitty? And
0: yeah, the the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. Oh wow, Wow. okay, that's incorrect. I mean, hey, it 1990. We're just saying, cut it out smoking on a plane. Well, that's true. We're making homosexuality not a disease. That's true. (laughs) That's yeah. Wow,
1: that is true.
0: Law and order from season four. So that's nineteen ninety four and this guy got uh beat up, a homeless man got beat up and they had to cut off the clothes from him in the and you know, mind you, this is T V and made up and whatever, but the detectives go through his clothes without gloves. No gloves. Yeah. It, it's just wild to be, because like in later seasons of Law and Order, you know, before they're get digging into that, they're gloving up and they're just mm-hmm. like yeah, it's 1994, just our hands. Yeah.
3: Um a mirrored headboard.
0: Oh my god.
3: Um, uh, yeah. Very, I love 90, that. very Florida. Yeah. Um, who wears all white to a NASCAR race? Yes. Yes. Where's the caution flags? Because every single wreck they have, while it's believable that you could be on the same lap as some of them, there's, like, never a caution flag. And I did not look into the year, but there was caution flags then. But what does the right. caution
0: flag mean? So green is like you just go, but the green caution is flag is you can't. Yeah. It, okay? Well,
3: so if there is a wreck on the field then because you a lot of the times caution can be for many things a lot of the times most of the wrecks are minor and it's just like something they want to make sure there's no debris left on the track right. sometimes there's a caution because if it's a windy day or if a fan throws something onto the track they want to make sure it's cleaned up and you have to slow down and the pace car comes out and you have to follow the pace car and you can't go faster than that so that one scene where he was like Get me out before the pace car. Mm-hmm. He couldn't fall. If he was behind the pace car, he'd be a lot behind. Oh, and then there's. But the he red... was
2: allowed. Would be he be allowed to get out in front of the pace car? Yeah,
0: because the pace car. Well, the pace he could car. go out.
3: He had to get out of the pit before the pace car came back around. But once he's on the track, you can't pass the pace car. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's the red flag. So in the case of a really bad accident, there's a the red flag and everybody stops. And the cars stay on the track, stopped. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. And then. Why is his face that dirty at the end? That's. Yeah. I'm wondering. I've that. seen a lot of NASCAR races, and I've never seen a driver come out with a face like that. Like, if there wasn't a windshield, maybe. But.
0: Great. Right, like, he was, was a, and like, I get a little bit of dirt. I'm just saying, like, given the lack of diversity, like, all this stuff, I'm like, y'all are brushing up a bit too close to blackface. Just <laughs> saying. And then it smudged onto Nicole Kidman. I'm like, guys, I don't like the direction that this is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are my negatives.
2: Okay, positive readables. Um, A young Wesley from Princess Bride. Now... When did Princess Bride come out? Was this before that? Because Wesley looked really young in this.
0: But this was after Glory. This was after Glory. Yeah. Okay. I think Princess Bride came out in 86, but I'll double check it. As you're drinking. 87. Well, he... Oh, 87. See? Okay. So he... He, you know, for a white dude, he was aging well. But I have to say, I can see. Because in my mind, Wesley is the hottest he's ever been. And then, like, in Glory, I was like, he's a little older than Wesley. It's just, it's just he didn't have the physique. And then in this, I was like, his face is more—is puffier. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just, it's just nitpicking,
2: nitpicking. My other positive is my MVP, so
0: I'm gonna save that. Okay. Well, my good Rijito Bulls, I enjoyed the car building montage. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of like the workout montages when few and and mm-hmm. I liked. I liked how he talked to the car and told he the did. car what it was gonna be and what. It and was the car be. was always female. Yeah, always called it her. Sense. Yeah like how B.B. Uh, King's guitar is Lucille, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the super flow black and hot pink. I don't know how that that came across at the time, if it was like, ugh, but I have to say, ever since the NFL in October started doing their crucial, crucial catch thing, where, you know, for breast cancer awareness, and they would put the hot pink on – and you would see hot pink with all these different colors. And athletes are way more into mixing hot pink. I think that the super flow is like quintessential good reheatable with just that black and hot pink. I'm like, I it's very 2020 to me.
3: Well, the thing is when you're watching NASCAR races, you that's how you recognize your car on the track. So the bright colors help you recognize Uh your car when they're going at those high speeds.
2: Yeah, I would think. And and Erin, in 1990, hot pink was your color.
0: Well, yes, but, I mean, as the family has established, usually I'm out there on a ledge. It's not as if what I'm into is in the mainstream. It's always... Five, six years down the line that everybody like, oh, that w- that's really awesome. At the time, I'm just the only one out here just really liking it, and I'm the weird kid. And then six years later, everybody's doing it, and I've moved on. And you're over it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the wheelchair race. Just, you know, racers got to race. This is a... They're just and I like how it unfolds, how they're just going. He's like, excuse me, because you pick up the paint and he's like, No. And then it's just Tuckers does his one spin and the other guy does his spin and then they just evolve. Um, Margot Martindale. I was yeah. very excited when I saw her. Yeah. The the Spencer Davis group, Gimme Some Love In. That beginning montage with that song everybody's heard dun 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 and you know Spencer Davis group gave us Steve Winwood. So That's true. That's pretty awesome. And my final good reheatable is Robert Duval is sneaky fast for a fifty-nine year old man. Yes. At the uh, end, when like, he was like, yeah, I'll race you, but he takes off, I'm like, he is booking it.
2: I think Tom Cruise might have pulled a hammy.
0: Yeah, I was like, damn, look at Sweet Feet
2: Duval." Well, He does tango, you know.
3: Hmm? I remember. And those are my good um, reasons. Okay. Uh, mine is Probably should be a negative, but I think it's funny. Some of the names that they came up with for these characters, there was a race car driver named Dick Trickle.
0: I was going to say, I heard of a Dick Trickle, <laughs> of like a real name, and I didn't know if that was... And they just went <laughs> with Cole
3: Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a driver named Michael Andretti. His father was Mario Andretti. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they named one of the characters' names was... Alto Benedetti. Yes, <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> they, they probably had to a good time with that. Yeah, it's just like a chat, ta- like, from watching the Sopranos. it's just like, um, the, the Italians just making up different, whatever name you want to call food. Mm-hmm. Gabagoola. Gabagoola. I still don't know what gabagool is. Gabagoola. Um, the sound... Which I thought was great, and they won an Academy Award for the sound. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, The Coke machine. Harry had a Coke machine in his office.
2: I saw that Tom Cruise was drinking regular Coke.
3: Mm -hmm. I wrote Sweaty TC. Oh, Sweaty Tom Cruise. I guess I like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was a good reheatable for you. Yeah.
3: Um, I wrote Cole's Bedroom. And the mirrored headboard was also a good reheatable. <laughs> it. It was a I it looks. I don't want to see myself in it, but I like the. It worked for the room. Um, when the there was before the Daytona 500, I think when they did the pre-race driver interviews, I thought they were just so accurate. Like, when they were, like, when all the drivers were, like, he's just going to wreck everybody, he's, whatever. I thought they were just so accurate to what actual driver interviews look like. Mm-hmm. Well, I wondered if they were real drivers, because they, they just seemed. not Um, I don't, I didn't really recognize any, but I don't know, I didn't pay, I didn't. In pocket. the
0: credits, I think it was, uh, I don't know, I want to say, like, Rusty Wallace. Like, I kind of, yeah, he was in like it, and I know and that, like, oh. um,
3: yeah. I just don't know if they were the ones giving the interviews. Maybe they were real. I like that they had real sponsors in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. Yellow. Yeah, it wasn't like yellow, yellow mel. I don't know. Just some fake stuff.
0: And Hardee's. I was going to go. Yes, to- Hardee's. Mm-hmm. Like, why wasn't it a Carl's Jr.? Why was it Hardee's? But I was like, Teenie has four pages of notes. I can just chill out. Yeah, you don't need well, to. Well, and because
3: Carl's Jr. really isn't in. The East Coast South. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also put as a positive for eatable cigarette and alcohol sponsors, which I know is a bad thing, but it it was just like the grittiness of it, you know? Mm hmm. Um, winning Daytona. Mm hmm. Big deal. Uh, I wrote the race car race driver lifestyle. Oh, okay. Cuz at first I was like, like I feel like if you just watched this movie, you'd be like, "Oh, well there's no way that these people just like were like eat, sleep and breathe racing, but they were like that. Like all these and there were all of these I mean um in one hell of a ride, they there was a whole chapter talking about cuz safety in NASCAR at this time was not what it is now and a lot of the drivers fought a lot of the safety measures that have been put to place since this day because they felt like it like like the thing that holds your head like they can't see their use their vision as much and um so these drivers would have these wrecks and get concussed or have these injuries and they would be advised not to race and or like they'd have a really big scary wreck and come out fine but all of their fam- – and, like, even the ones that died, their families would be like, well, we would have never kept him from racing. Like, that's what he loved. So if we- if he didn't mm-hmm. have racing, like, who was he, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So I thought they captured that well. Um, and then the scene where they raced each other on the way to dinner on the beach,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was good. They – I mean, they really – the stunt drivers, they just let them – they just said, go for it. And they just – they were like, keep going until the cars don't go anymore. Oh wow! Yeah, it was, like, a blast.
0: Yeah, yeah. and the one guy was like, <laughs> "You can see ground. my head come
3: out of the window."
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wow. like, "Best job ever."
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are to quotables, and I did some in my in my setting the table. Other quotables.
0: I think you did some of mine. Then,
2: gentlemen, start your engines.
0: Mm. Yeah. I have there's nothing stock about stock car and then I was like oh I don't know, it kind of clicked into my head of like that's what like that's what it is. Is that like it's supposed to be everybody has the same cars and yeah. then it's it comes into the driver, but the real advantage is in knowing the rules and how far you can push it to that and so it's really like that teamwork between the person who's building it and like everybody's supposed to be even but it's like that's not really how it is and, and it
3: even within of- the way having all of the parts on your car and somebody else's car like even though we both drove Mazda 3s they were set up differently in some mm-hmm. aspects you know we would each drive it to a certain point before we felt we needed to get gas. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> ah, I have less than a half a tank. I need gas. <laughs> oh.
3: And then Ooh, you- my heart was hard to start today. I think it needs gas. It's <laughs> <laughs> just flicking the
0: needle. There's some in there. Um, all I'm saying Stock cars are built to run equal. And then that's when, like, Robert Duvall says, so the rule books say. Mm -hmm. And then when he says tires win the race, tires win a race. And I just like the way that Robert Duvall said, I forget what Cole Trickle said, but he said something. He's like, well, that sounds about dumb enough to be a race race driver.
3: (laughs) Just the way he said it. I was like, that's funny. I have, this bitch is ready to run. Mm. Rubbin' son is racin'. said that one. And then, if you can't control your race drivers any better than this, you might stick to something you can control, like used cars in downtown Charlotte.
1: Mm. Ouch.
3: LVPs.
2: Mine is male ego. Oh.
0: Oh, so I'm surprised you didn't do Nicole Kidman's that. You yeah, are infantile, egotistical, out there with other egotistical. My honorable mention is every other race car driver out there, because this me like, cold trickles Ascension. It's like, oh, apparently this is super easy, guys. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I just thought of, like, the hardworking you know mm-hmm. people who were the the dale Earnhardt's, you know of that just like tinkering this is the only car they have and doing all of that stuff and it's like this hot shot just comes in and he mm-hmm. don't even know the lingo mm-hmm. or the lingo and does it but my real mvp lvp is uh the script I didn't think yeah. too many tasty nuggets, but I read that, that they started production and they didn't have a finished script. Yeah. And
3: they were getting, yeah. they literally got a re, like, I don't remember who it was. Oh, Carrie Elways. hmm The guy that was in glory. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He, um, said one day he just like got a new script. It was like basically just forget the script that you had. This is like the new script. Yeah. Now. Yeah, just
0: and and just some of the dialogue and how I already mentioned it before with the the shoehorning in who the who Robert Duvall's character was mm-hmm. and and then there's like some speech like so just some of the dialogue where you're just like oh guys like they, this is just put Tom Cruise in a NASCAR and we'll hey, figure that's it out the later. whole
2: thing yeah let him drive as fast as he wants to.
3: I had, um at first I wrote Cole, but then I kind of put just, like, the light that, I don't know, the movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, funny because I just read this book, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. I felt like I learned so much, and then it was, like, this movie. I was like, oh, Tom Cruise just wanted to write it, like, to be in a movie about NASCAR and, like, get in a car,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, and there was a quote, because, like, well, also, it was based loosely on, or largely kind of, on Tim Richmond's life, but then they just, like, conveniently... Didn't they took include out- the drugs that he was doing, or the fact that he was died of AIDS, or yeah, but
0: like path patho. Like, yeah. if you're an actor now. You would be like, what? I get to play a, a race car driver who has a drug addiction,
3: who then has to yeah,
0: like give me and my I,
3: op- right now. Well, and like I feel like if this movie were made this year, it would be. A realistic as much as, you know, like, okay. I feel like the movies, um, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember what it was called, so I'm sorry to them. But they were saying that, like, they were like, yeah, if you think about, like, movies made of, like, rock bands now. Or, like, we'll they didn't mention this, but what was that movie about um, Queen? Bohemian Rock City. Yes. Like, that was, like, based on fact and, like, I don't know. This didn't have to be a made-up story. It could have been and real. A biopic, yeah. A bi- yeah. Um, and in here, so uh, Robert Duvall's character, Harry Harry Hodge, Hoagie? Harry Hodge? Yeah. Uh... Hodge? He was based on Tim Richmond's veteran crew chief, Harry Hyde. Um, and he was interviewed in 1994 in his mobile home and they, he, he was quoted as saying, all the big Hollywood people that came in here to do this movie, they sat right there where you're sitting. They had three tape recorders running and they had 25 rolls of tape in a two day session. I don't know why they didn't tell the story. Like I told it to him. They had mm-hmm. to go put all that Hollywood stuff in it and they just about covered Tim up. As far as I'm concerned, they jimmied up the movie real good.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's and like all like in
3: the NASCAR scene, it was kind of like a joke.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing that happened last week when we did Glory. How you have this interesting story that you can tell, and you choose mm-hmm. to tell this story, and then you have Days of Thunder. This Tim Rich, give me his biopic. I want that. Yeah, time. like yes, and. This is what you choose to do. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, Christine, but ESPN had, they had a movie called Three. It was, and it was the Dale Earnhardt. I haven't
3: seen it. I need to watch
0: it. Barry Pepper was Dale Earnhardt. And I don't remember if it came out when he was still alive or if it came out posthumously. I feel like he was probably still alive, maybe. But it's just interesting to see, like, that movie, it was it was fine, it was entertaining, but I would have loved to have seen the budget of Days of Thunder mm-hmm. with that and then given that treatment. But you know, I mean, it's well, I the end of the day, you the budget
3: of Days of Thunder.
0: I will tell you, please. Tasty nuggets. Tasty. Well, yeah. well, we haven't done MVP. Oh yeah, MVP
2: or recasting MVP. Okay. I'm going to just jump in and say my MVP is Robert Duvall because I love Robert Duvall. And I felt like he was more authentic than anything else in it. Mm
0: -hmm. I I had Robert Duvall as an honorable mention for him and then also his... Homemade hooch that he had. Oh, homemade hooch. And I, uh, I, I, got, I got a little mason jar of, I got some Hendrix that I put a bag of Earl Grey tea into. Oh, yeah. And that, that, makes me, I like it because it's in a, a mason jar, but then it's like Earl Grey and gin, so it's. It, it's the. Have to you stick your pinky out uh, while you drink it I, your- I love, I love the duality of that. Um, but my MVP. Is racing, and how racing is universal. Mm-hmm. It's that's true. So human to want to get to a place before another person, and that's why, um, like I was like I was alluding to it earlier when we were talking about NASCAR and inclusion and stuff. It's like you have a sport that is just is about racing and getting from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and just just let people in. And also, I don't know if like. I think like the super, super origins of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, Christine, but it was moonshine runners. I love it, yeah. They would make their moonshine they would have to, they would, they got into souping up cars and stuff so that they could go on the back roads and to, to deliver it like during the prohibition when it was illegal. So you have like that, that illicitness, uh, that illegalness of it also. And it's just, that is, all of that is just, such a universal thing, and if you can get out of the way of like the caste system and all of that, you could have a sport that is super inclusive because everybody, everybody knows racing. Everybody knows about wanting to beat somebody, and that's the ultimate. It's the like it, it's the ultimate. You know, it doesn't matter about money or whatever. Like you put sort me versus you, who gets to there mm-hmm. faster.
3: Sorry, Tommy's thirsty. <laughs>
0: that
3: is understandable. Um, that's okay. So my runner-up MVP is Talladega Nights because mm. it's just a spoof of this movie. Um, which would be so easy to do, and we wouldn't have Talladega Nights without having this. Uh, there yet. you go. Yes. or the well movie done. Cars. I would venture. That's percentage. true with Paul Newman. Um, none of this would be possible without Paul Newman. Yeah. Why we're here. Mm-hmm. But the, my MVP was also the racing scene and being at a NASCAR race is one of the best feeling, like just when you, there's a picture of me and, uh, one of the first races that I think like, um, cause when I moved to Richmond, I found out that our friend Anthony liked NASCAR because he had a Tony Stewart lunchbox that he brought to work. And I was like, oh, my God, you like NASCAR? And so we went to – we were like, oh, we've got to go to a race together in Richmond. And then that's when Adam started coming with us and our friend Fernando. And it just became like a thing we would go to twice a year. Um, and there, I think the first time we went together, there was a picture of me probably – I am just holding – a Coors Light and an aluminum can (laughs) with the cars going behind me, and I think I'm the happiest I've ever looked. Uh (laughs) Like, I don't even, maybe, like, in a wedding picture. (laughs) Maybe. But, I think... (laughs) (laughs) it's just like...
0: It's just just saying that because you're on the the podcast, but that's
3: really her happiest thing. Yeah, Yeah, like, I kind of... Yeah, um... I'll text it to you guys now, so you can see. Um, but it, it's just like I don't know. There's something about. There's no other. I feel like there's no other sport where you like use all of your senses the way that you do when you're at a NASCAR race. That's a great <laughs> picture. <laughs> oh, I love that. I don't know. It's just Good a fun ride. Yeah, it's my happy place. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious and perfect. No.
2: well, uh, um, Poppy has cousins who were in racing, so I was asking him. It wasn't NASCAR; they were doing drag racing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. They, yeah, the motorcycle house, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. They, they didn't had, have. It. They
2: had Little Shaker, which was a, a car that they raced, too.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm saying, like, the there's so many people mm-hmm. who, because it's universal, but it's just this thing of, like, maybe get rid of some of the symbols that some people look at as pride, but that's a barrier of saying, like, oh, that's something that I can't be around. And then once that starts, then people will be like, mm-hmm. oh, I have Well, actually- it's got to be the fans that get rid
3: of that. Exactly. That's the fans bringing that. I don't think it's not NASCAR hanging. Like, that's the fans driving with their cars.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And do do the
0: fans want it to stay that way? Yeah, maybe that's just something that they...
3: I don't know. I think that's a broad statement. I'm a fan. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, no, I think it's... it's, it's Yeah, it's unique because you don't... You bring a lot more things if you like. Also, like you bring your own beer and everything, like we said that. But you can also bring a lot more things into the arena. So it's not like in a football game or something where you just bring your body in there and you don't really have anything, any other like forms of expression. Like you wear some people wear some wild shit to NASCAR races, and like (laughs) it's like, oh, that's who you are. But there's also, I mean, just, like, not to,
0: to, like, say, like, oh, this is NASCAR fans. Like, this is human beings and fans in, in period. Because if you're a, if you go to a, uh, NFC East, like, if you're going, if you're in Phil, like, I, Washington football fan, never went to go see my team play at Philadelphia Stadium. You know? I knew better than to ever go around and wearing any sort of attire. Because, right. Fans are going to, you know, if you're in a home Phillies game and you're coming in and that burgundy and gold, they, people are going to say stuff to you. And right. as they get drunker and drunker, the stuff that they say to you is going to get worse and worse. I mean, th- we are talking about the city that threw batteries at Santa Claus. So, <laughs> you know, you got to take that uh, into account. City in brother really Love. Yeah, it's just like, like with anything, there are fans and people who are not the best you don't want these people representing you and sometimes those are the people who end up representing you and then Mm -hmm. mm, you're like mm, no that's not how it is
2: Mm -hmm. okay did everybody do their MVP Mm -hmm. I lost a little track there recasting
0: okay I did two I did did one one person
2: well who's your one person yeah Oh, where
3: did I write that down? It is Harry would be Terry Bradshaw, because I thought that was Terry Bradshaw. (laughs) (laughs) How much do I love
2: that? That is true. Okay. Well, I went with a black cast because that's what I do. But, okay, so we're just going to go with it, because this could have been Tim. Tim's group. Tim Richmond. Okay, so my Harry is Donald Glover. Okay. My rowdy is John David Washington. Bless you. Okay. And my cole is Reggie Jean Page.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. That makes sense. You didn't do a Nicole Kidman character? Nicole I Claire. Uh,
2: I couldn't come up with one. Okay. Ah, Well done, Adam.
0: Okay, so both of my cast, I went with an all-time, the one with the all-time motif. Because, okay. Um, so I just did the three. I just did Cole, Claire, and Harry. So okay. for my all-time cast, of course, we've alluded to it many times. It, it is the patron saint of the Gone with the Bushes podcast. Cole Trickle, all-time cast, would be Paul Newman. Mm. Which, then you just recast Claire as Joanne Woodward. Joanne Woodward. Mm. And then if since we were doing all-time cast, I this went a little bit out of the box, but he was a great actor, and I would like to see him tackle it. Harry Charles Lawton, who we know from The Night of the Hunter and Witness for the Prosecution. The British Charles Lawton as Harry. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That would be interesting. Hey. All righty. I like it. So then my next all-time cast, I went more specific and said it's my all-time cast circa 1998 and gender reversal. Ooh, hello. So for my Harry, I have 1998 George Clooney.
2: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And then as the Doctor, the Claire character, as the Doctor, I have 1998, because you have to remember this is 1998, so this is very young, very boyish, Matt Damon. Okay.
2: Talented Mr. Ripley.
0: Time yeah. Thing? Like, like, kind of right before that, or where you've okay. kind of seen him, but he's, yeah, yeah, around that time. And then... As my Cole, the race car driver, around 1998, so we're talking out of sight time, JLo. Jennifer oh. Lopez, as Cole, the race car driver. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, okay. she's, she's the Puerto Rican hot shot. She doesn't Edgy. know anything. Yeah. You just throw her in and she knows how to get from point A to point B. George Clooney is going to be the one. He doesn't believe in it, but he's like, this girl, she's got a little something. And then you have the young, handsome doctor as Matt Damon. Greenlight it. Very Okay.
2: Okay. Well, I could see uh, Adam being cold, too, because he can drive
3: fast. (laughs) I think he would be rowdy. Oh, the Intimidator. The right mm-hmm. <laughs> Tasty Nuggets.
2: This is. I. All- oh, you
1: can uh-uh, do yours uh-uh.
2: first.
3: Yeah. Uh-uh. I
2: have. Well, I had two, but you already told me first feature film of Margot Martindale. I have the people who turned down the role of Claire.
1: Mm. Oh, Oh. Kim, Kim
2: Basinger. Sandra Bullock. Jodie Foster, Sarah Jessica Parker, no. Heather Locklear. Wait, Sandra
0: Ma- Bullock turned down the role of Claire. Wow, Because this is 1990, and, like, Speed came out in 94, so this wasn't exactly like, you know, Sandra Bullock could be. <laughs> but that's hilarious. Madonna.
2: Oh, Michelle wow. Pfeiffer. Oh Julia,
0: my God. <laughs> Julia Roberts,
3: Meg Ryan, well, she was, good. was busy with Pretty Woman.
2: Yeah, Sharon Stone, and there were a couple who I didn't. And they went through enough. every
3: actress every, around in Yeah,
0: but I kind of thought that the well, who knows at the time? The revisionist history on this is that Tom Cruise saw Dead Calm and was like, "That oh yeah, I'm sure, part. I'm sure." I will make her mine. Mm-hmm.
3: Was that oh, all of yours? That was. Oh, okay. okay, well, here we go. Um, sorry. So, uh, we already talked about Paul Newman and Tom Cruise. Rick Hendricks said that Tom Cruise is very talented in a race car.
1: Mm.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, mm-hmm Jeff Bodine was the uh the car that drove Paul Newman around and then he let Tom Cruise drive it and he was like it was a real race car that we needed so like it was kind of stressful to just let him drive it because like what if he wrecked it exactly Um, and after that Jeff Bodine Rick Hendrick Tom Cruise and Paul Newman went across the street to Olive Garden and that's God. where they had their, oh their my bars, God. and they sat there for hours, like listening to their stories. Oh, oh my God! Olive Garden.
0: Mm-hmm. That might get me back into Olive
3: Garden. Wow. I would have got closer mm-hmm. to Paul
0: Newman. <laughs> and then Tom Cruise
3: took the stories to Jerry Bruckheimer and Ron Simpson. Don Simpson. Don Simpson. Same thing. <laughs> um. <laughs> exactly. Tom Cruise and Robert. Town. Mhm. Mhm. When I wrote it, I wrote it as one word, Robert Town. Robert Town as one word. Um, yeah. They followed a pit crew around, like at a real race, to like and just recorded the whole thing to get like sound and learn the lingo and like the way that they talked and all of that. Um. And they sat down with Bill France. where he said that. But it's Tom Cruise. So how can you say no to that? Um, don't know what that means. Oh, Tony Scott. What was his role? The producer? Tony Scott was the director. Director. Okay. So
0: he's apparently not with us anymore. Correct. Yeah. He jumped off a bridge in San Pedro.
3: Oh, that's not good. But yeah. his wife, Donna, Never. could be. His wife was in the movie. Oh. He met his wife in the movie. They got married in 1994, I believe. Oh. Um, And she did this, doc- she did all these interviews for this documentary that aired this year. Um, God, I should have looked her up. Uh, but she said that every morning he would wake up and draw storyboards for two and a half hours before shooting um, of what they were going to shoot that day. And then afterwards he would like, cross off everything after they filmed it. Um, Rick Hendrick built all the cars. Like, they were real race cars. He built Mm -hmm. them all. Um, Hans Zimmer with the music. He went to Daytona and never left to make the deadline. He only had a T-shirt. Like, he went to meet with them, and they were like, uh, I mean, we talked about how their deadlines, they just weren't – like, I feel like they Mm -hmm. – I don't know if they just forgot to hire anybody to make the music, but (laughs) – he went, and they were like, no, like, you can't leave. Like, we got to do this now. And he just had the T-shirt on his back. And he said that um, they kept saying, make it weirder, make it weirder. And he was like, don't say that to me twice. I'm going to make it weird. Yeah, he's – you don't
0: say that to a German musician. Make it weirder? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Careful. Uh, every single day was intense to make the deadline. Uh, how do you say his name? It's, Carrie Elways. I heard elves. somebody
2: say it on a podcast just recently, but I I don't remember what it, it was. It was like way easier than we make it. Yeah, mm. isn't it it's
0: like elves? Shows. So it's elves. 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 Yeah. Well, he was terrified. They had to
3: learn how to drive the cars, and that was scary. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then they had so they built a camera car. It had a camera car built so that I could run with the race cars at 120 miles an hour. And it was basically an El Camino on on top of a race car. Wow. That sounds like my brother's dream car.
0: Yes, it does.
3: Yes, it does. Um, And then they shot at an actual Daytona 500. They had 22 cameras with panoramic lenses from around the world. Some kind of lens. They were like, we must have had all the ones. They had to like fly them in from all over the world because we used all of them. Wow. Um, and they actually raced a car for a hundred laps in the Daytona 500 to get footage. Like they had cameras oh, and wow. like all of the lights and everything. Um, and Rusty Wallace is in this documentary, and he's at there. He they were like, he's like, we were all trying to film and get in the movie. Like we were like, oh, maybe <laughs> if we get close to the car, like they'll use our car in the shot. Um And, like, they played, like, footage from the race. And they were like, oh, Dale Earnhardt's coming up on the film car. Um, and then they tried for weeks to get wreck footage, but the camera, every time somebody actually wrecked, for the, for the final scene, but every time somebody actually wrecked, the camera was, like, pointing to the left, and the wreck would <laughs> happen to the right. Oh, wow. So they ran, like, way past their... They were supposed to, the film was supposed to come out on June 6th, I think. And it oh. didn't get to come out until June 27th. Mm-hmm. Because, and you said, because they went so over. Um, they had a $30 million budget, but they spent $60 million <laughs> because they oh. went so over. And they kept having to pay people. Like, people were working 24 hours a day on this movie. Um, and then the best part. They forgot to film Cole Trickle crossing the finish line of the Daytona 500, and they didn't realize it until two weeks before the movie was being released. Oh so my they had God. to call everyone back oh. to film the biggest part in the movie.
0: I, oh, my okay. I don't know if anybody else knows about like Don Simpson and, cause Don Simpson was with Jerry Bruckheimer and then they kind of went their separate ways and Don Simpson is no longer with us. Um, allegedly, uh, I don't know if it's allegedly at this point, I'll just say allegedly, he liked his cocaine and drugs. Um, so, and it's 1990? I just wonder how much
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> I heard there was a lot of like they rented a whole. I just heard this on. A I didn't look into it, but they were talking about like hotels being rented and sex workers and drugs, and I think that had to do with production not going. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a, a have an lot impact. of
0: of just masculine energy going on and go. just yeah.
3: And I'm surprised you didn't mention one of these other movies in your top movies, because they showed like a, uh, when the movie was released, like on the movie theater marquee, Mm -hmm. it was Days of Thunder, Gremlins 2, and Back to the Future.
1: Uh, really?
3: Well, it, sometimes when I look it up, because I just go by Wikipedia,
0: because I'm a very lazy researcher, sometimes they'll have the domestic grosses and the world mm. grosses. And then in 1990, I was like, because well, I like to do the domestic, but this was just world gross. Oh, uh, so maybe Back to
3: the feature would have been a
0: domestic. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting when you get the two to, to compare, like, oh, what does what, which way, but... Yeah, it's very interesting. Wait, wait which Back to the Future was that? Was that Back to the Future 2?
3: Well, I don't know. I just, it just said Back to the Future that I saw. Back to the oh. But I don't
2: Well, I decided to look into just why did Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman break up? Because I remember that happening. I oh, I'm glad you looked too. into that. Okay.
0: I, I remember, like... I was up the age where I do remember when they broke up because it like shook me and they that's kind of the last time that something because then I'm like wait you don't know either of these people but I do remember when they broke up because I was like oh no what
2: well it's almost like uh almost like Justin Hartley you know texting his wife that they were over like he better like Justin Hartley is on, um, This Is
1: Us. Oh.
2: And, and his wife was on, um, Sunset. Oh, uh, wait. She was on some reality show about, um, selling sunset.
1: So oh.
2: It, she had also been in my soap opera back in the day on my children. And so she just gets this text from him that goes, we're over. And that's so. Anyway, and this is pre-quarantine. Oh, Dustin Harley, he was in my soap opera. Yes, yes. And then he broke up with his wife to date somebody else. From that, so moving on because that does not have to do with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. They married in 1990, Mm -hmm. and they were uh, together for 10 years. And so I remember her being on the Oprah show doing the junket for Moulin Rouge. Mm. And she was still really shook up about that he just um, went in and irreconcilable differences and filed for divorce. And she didn't know, like, what the fuck happened? She said those 10 years were happy for them. She was 23 when they got married, and they adopted two children, and she said it was very happy, and she did not ever go into detail about what happened, um, what the recourse was of that, or any of she said she wanted to keep those 10 years as a happy place, and she would never talk about the divorce.
3: Well, she... I just clicked on something that said Tom Cruise banned his ex-wife Nicole Kidman from attending their son Connor's wedding. Well, because he got it's into Scientology, Scientology
0: and she remained, um, I think... He turned Catholic. their son did. Well, that's the thing, like, they adopted this the kids, and she, like, Nicole. Like I don't know, because I don't know these people, but just from what I've heard, like, Nicole Kimman never became a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. She was never about that, but she was like, live and let live, you want to believe that, that's fine, I'm going to stick with my religion, you do whatever you want. And it wasn't, but, you know, when you watch these Scientology documentaries, they're like, if you're not in it, then you're against us. And so, so you're an outcast. I, yeah, I have the feeling that uh, he had people in his ear that was like, yo, she's against you and all of this. And she could have been like, I don't, like, do whatever you want. That's fine. And then when it came to the kids, she didn't want them to be in Scientology. But if they chose to go that right. route, she wasn't going to say like, no, I forbid you. And I think that they chose maybe to go that route. And so if you go that route and your mom's not somebody that's a part of it, then you don't have contact with her because you're, it's like the caste
2: system. She's an untouchable.
0: Yeah. Like you, you don't, and, and, from, like and who knows what the truth is because no, none of us really know but just the impression that you get hearing these sides is just kind of like and what you hear from her is like I I love these kids they're my kids but they this is what they're doing and I'm all for them and it's just sad because I don't think that that's something that maybe gets reciprocated to her but she mm-hmm. I, I get the impression that she's gone through a lot of therapy and is at a place where she can at least deal with that and is able and has like this awareness and like who knows but then who knows because then you see her and it's like how are you so good at acting like and you put yourself in these positions like on purpose and you like these dark thoughts and you do this and it's I you know I don't know who's to say but I definitely feel like
3: um, it was Scientology that came between them.
0: Yeah, was.
2: The, it, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was also talk back in back at that time that she had lost a baby somewhere
0: in there. Um, but, but then I read on Wikipedia, and again, because it was only on Wikipedia that they said that she had had a miscarriage, but that it had been an, an ectopic pregnancy right. so she was like they reported it as this thing as this thing but it wasn't this thing and everybody ran with it saying that that's what it was but it wasn't so again it's that whole thing of like you don't who right. knows like right. it, this is something between two people right and kudos to her for
2: saying i want to leave that where it is i was happy those 10 years and i'm moving on
0: yeah she seems like the most, like the best reheat of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I liked hair her and what she's done. I liked her curly hair. I oh, yeah, was, me too. I liked her curly hair. And I also liked how tall she was to him. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we always have heard the thing, like Tom Cruise is, is not a tall man. But, like, just how he picked her to be in the movie. And, yeah. like, he married her. And, like, it, obviously that's not an issue with him. So, I, I really liked that. I really liked the height difference, and I really liked her curly red hair. I did, too.
2: Okay, any more on Days of Thunder? No. What? So, next week, Erin. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right.
0: it's I have this movie that I've been wanting to do, but then something always comes up, and I'm like, no, this is... I guess this is more appropriate, so this movie keeps getting pushed back. But I decided because apparently, and I didn't know until now that March is Women's History Month.. Mm-hmm. So I thought that we haven't really done two we've done one movie with this actress. But she is, I think, one of the most fascinating women in Hollywood. Just from any angle that you want to put at it, it's just like, fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. I mean, if you talk about history, fascinating. If you talk about lineage, fascinating. If you talk about work, fascinating. Um. So I'm like, all right. I say it's Women's History Month. Let's do a Jane Fonda film. Oh, yeah. I'm so like, well, it's Jane Fonda film. I'm like, well, why don't we do the one that, I don't know how many Academy Awards she won, but I know she won an Oscar for this. And I know she ha- she rocked, a. we're going to have takes on this haircut she rocked in it. Clute? Yes. What? Clute. 1971, Clute. How do you spell that? K-L-U-T-E. Yeah, she has
2: an interesting haircut. And I, I know
0: there's going to be, it's going to be so interesting, the reheatables of it. Yes, it is, because 71. It's, it's 1971, and, and she is playing a sex worker, and I'm pretty yes. sure they don't oh say sex worker. No, they're not. <laughs> and I haven't
2: seen it, so this will be fun.
0: Yeah, she won the Academy Award for Best Actress, I believe. Wow.
2: And she just
0: got, um, at the Golden Globes, a... Joel, she got the, uh, I think, the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Cecil B. Mill Award, yeah. yeah. so I thought that it was Women's History Month, and like Jane Fonda is just so fascinating, just the, yes, her evolution and everything, and, and she's just somebody that has lived a life and has made mistakes, and there's things in her life that she would definitely want to Very take back. Very polarizing. Very polarizing figure and still out there doing it. And like my dad says, whoever did her surgery should do everyone's surgery. But as I point out to my dad, also a little luck involved and also genetics involved of of knowing what you're working with. I feel like her surgeon might have been um
2: my brother's friend who I took you to. <laughs> Sure, we'll go no, with that. he No, had, he had some high-profile clients. He just could never say who they were. I'm going with that.
0: Well, she continues to look fantastic, and I look forward to next week. Oh, what we. Yeah.
3: Mm. Jeannie, do you know
0: anything about Jane Fonda?
3: No. Uh, not really. I mean, no, not a lot. Yeah,
2: that she came from Henry Fonda, and her mother was – um. Yeah. I think had some mental health issues. I think she definitely did. And her brother was Peter Fonda. And I I am impressed that she has gone gray.
0: Just embracing it. Well, she's,
2: she's embracing it. She's like eighty. <laughs> she did um go to North Vietnam and sit in one of their artillery uh, air. What was it?
0: Yeah, yeah, she,
2: yeah. she had, anti-aircraft <laughs> missiles, yeah. It was in, a good it was,
0: but then yeah. it's also that thing where she was young and she was idealistic, like, in her heart of where she thought she was coming from. But yeah. then, you know, she's a woman in the 70s and she's got a lot of people in her ear telling her to do certain things and that's where that's where I was alluding to the thing of like if she could go back in time and maybe change a few things knowing what she knows now but that's why I think that she's a great example because you know you don't always make the right decision right at the right, right time but you you learn from it right and you admit to mistakes and if people choose to uh, uh, you know some people will never forgive her for that and that's their right. Exactly.
3: Exactly.
0: Okay, listeners, next week,
2: clute. 1970s, again, I lived through it. You're welcome. Oh, the seven, mescaline, wild. The mescaline times. <laughs> Should we all do mescaline before the podcast next week? No, and I, I don't, don't know, know what where it is. you could find it, and you <laughs> wouldn't want to, and... Skid Row?
3: <laughs> yeah, Aaron, well, you go, could go, to go the tonight
2: and hotel. Them. <laughs> Apparently... Oh, ha 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 ha. Well, listeners, there you go.